0: This is the uh, 400-year anniversary of the Canons of Dort. And the Canons of Dort and Romans chapter 2 kind of crashed together. And then we kind of took a detour for about seven weeks, dealing with a very important concept. So this morning, my job is to try to get us back into Romans 2, establish the flow of the narrative, of the text, and then we... (laughs) We have a very controversial section in front of us. Okay, there's, there's no way around this, okay? Now, here's how we could approach it. We could approach it like most churches. We could get to this, this controversial section, say, this is what it appears to say, but don't worry about it, it doesn't really say that, and just move on as fast as possible. But that's not the way we do things, right? We do things by going verse by verse and being forced to deal with the text, Right? Um, if we believe if we believe in any way, shape, or form that the Bible is the authority, then it's our job to study it no matter how uncomfortable it makes us. And there's some uncomfortable sections here in chapter 2. There's just no way to get around it. And it's going to raise lots of questions because all of us know what's coming later in Romans and there seems to be a major contradiction and we're going to have to try to find a way to resolve it. All right? we, and we're going to look at all the different ways offered in church history. But let's try to put this together. Okay, in Romans chapter 1, Starting in verse 18. Verse 18 and following, we discover in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth and unrighteousness. And then starting in verse 19 all the way down to verse 32 is a downward progression that occurs, right? God has revealed himself Man has rejected that revelation, and once they reject that revelation, they start in a downward spiral. Now, the revelation spoken of, we spoke of this revelation, we spoke of this revelation in two ways. Everybody remember it? External and internal. What's the external revelation spoken of in Romans chapter 1, 18 and following? Creation. Right? Creation is God's external revelation. Sometimes in theology we call this what? General revelation, right? General revelation. And what does creation reveal? There is a God. Right? Doesn't give us everything, but it gives us there is a God. And what's the internal revelation? Okay. God's law written on man's heart Now that law doesn't give us everything right but it gives us what? that there's a sense that there is right and there is wrong and you don't have to teach a kid a kid I mean you take a newborn babe as soon very long it doesn't take them very long to start saying things like that's not fair. They have an internal sense. So there's this external and internal revelation that there is a God. man pushes that aside and they start their downward downward descent. Now, some believe Romans 1, 18 and following is referencing the Gentiles. And then Paul turns to the Jews in chapter 2. There is some argument for that, but I will argue that Romans 1, 18 and following has an implication for all people who reject God's revelation and there's a downward spiral. Right. And it, it, a lot of sins are mentioned. I know the, the money making sermon is to use Romans chapter one, 18 and following to go after homosexuality. But a lot of sins are mentioned here other than just homosexuality. OK, there's a lot of sins here. All right. So that is he gives us this man. The people reject God's revelation. They do bad things. And then Paul anticipates what the response should be. What should that response be? Especially from moral people, or in this particular case, the Jews, or we could say any faithful church-going person. They look at Romans 1, 18 and following, and man, you got a lot of bad stuff going on, right? you got idolatry, you got homosexuality, and everyone rises up and says, they should be condemned, right? Paul anticipates that response. So in chapter 2, what does he say? Therefore, stop right there, therefore, based off what we just read, right? Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, right? Hey, wait, before you start condemning the people in 1, 18 and following, you better slow down because you're inexcusable. Why? Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Now, when he says do the same things, we have to understand, if, especially in chapter 2, which I think we're going to be able to demonstrate, he's really going to turn his attention to the Jews. He's not saying they do the same things in the same way. What he's going to argue is, remember, you can be, a guilt, you can be guilty of adultery physically, or you can be a guilty of adultery physically. Mentally, right? So you may stand there and go, look at all these people doing all this bad stuff. You better be careful because you're probably guilty of it in a different way. There's external guilt and internal guilt. Everybody got that? And we're going to see that play itself out. All right? So here is, now, that's just kind of a quick review. Let me set this up. Everybody ready? What we have in chapter 2 is a contrast between man's judgment and God's judgment. We have a tendency to judge. And everyone here judges. Don't pretend that you don't. Correct? You see actions. You see activities. You make judgments. But what we discovered is there's a flaw in our judgment as we see here. Correct? He says, wait a minute. You're judging people, but you're guilty of doing the exact same thing. Verse 1. Verse 2. But we are, And then note the contrast here. Uh, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. He's contrasting man's judgment with God's judgment. Everybody got that? Now, what is wrong with man's judgment? Well, we talked about the problems with man's judgment. And we stated it this way. When it comes to our judging, we have three problems. Right? Everybody remember these? We have eye trouble. Right? What do we mean by eye trouble? Eye trouble is we seem to judge things based on what, from what way? External. What can we not understand? The heart. So we have eye trouble, and here's what we do we see the external, and then we immediately ap- uh, blame the internal. But remember, King David, who did a lot of messed up st- stuff, was by God declared to be a man after our external vision, we're blind to the internal. Right, So our, our judgment is already messed up. What's another major problem we have? Not only do we have eye trouble, we have heart trouble. What does the Bible say about our heart? Desperately wicked and deceitful above. The most deceitful thing on the face of the planet is not politicians in Washington, but your heart and my heart. All right? So we have heart trouble. What else do we have? We have a head problem. What's our problem with our our brains? We are not all knowing. We don't know everything. So our ability to judge is greatly messed up, right? So the people in chapter two who are looking at the people condemned in chapter one, they're like, look at them. They're messed up. Well, we'll slow down. Your heart's messed up too. Wait a minute. You don't see everything. Wait a minute. You don't know everything. We got to remember that when we deal with fellow people. We don't know everything. We don't see everything. And we've got our own, our own deceitful heart inside of us. Very important truth. We talked about that in great detail. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Okay, now we have another problem here. And I'm, we're going to look at this. I know we're going to kind of uh, go a little bit out of order because in chapter, uh, in verse two, we get God's judgment, right? He judges according to truth. But before we get to that, let's read verse three through five. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Right? There's a tendency for the self-righteous to do what? To perceive themselves to be more righteous than they really are. Right? The Pharisees had this problem. Hey, we're good. Look at those tax collectors. Slow down. We have the t- same tendency to do this. Verse 4. Now, this is important. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now that's typical Paul, very wordy. So what is he trying to say? All right. We don't, we're we're incapable of judging others correctly. Everybody got that? So uh, this is the way I wrote it down in my notes, and you may want to write this down because this will summarize this entire section so that we can move on, right? This is the way I put it down, and I I think this is a good way to remember it. All right, everybody ready? Number one, we don't see ourselves correctly. We don't see ourselves correctly. We perceive ourselves to be more righteous than we are. We don't don't see ourselves correctly. Number two, we don't, listen, we don't see others correctly. We don't see other people correctly. We think we do, but we don't. And then he hints at it right here. He hints at it a number of ways, right? The third thing we don't see, we don't see God correctly. And we kind of get the hint of this, all right? And look at verse 3, you'll kind of get the idea. Thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. We don't, we don't understand God correctly. Because we may perceive that, hey, God's okay with my behavior. In fact, look at verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. What do they not understand? The goodness of God. They don't even perceive that correctly because if they perceive the goodness of God correctly, what should it lead to according to that verse? To repentance, right? This is the way I wrote it down. There is in every willful sin a contempt for the goodness of God. There is in every willful sin a contempt for the goodness of God. All right, And note how he says, oh, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness. That means to think little of it. They, don't, they think little of God's goodness. Their perception of God is wrong. Their perception of others are wrong. Their perception of God is wrong. What is this clearly demonstrating? Our judgment is incorrect in contrast with whose judgment? God's judgment. All right. So they think little about it. And we could, we could talk a, lo- a long time here, but we'll get the basic idea. They, they, we, in this particular case, if this is referring to the Jews, they, they're, they, how do they view it? Those Gentiles are messed up, but he, us Jews, we are what? We're good to go. Because our, but it's a problem not just of Jew and Gentile, it's a problem of all people. Our judgment is wrong, so we have to rely on God's judgment. Does that make sense? All right, that kind of gets us, that sets us up, I think, as, as much as we can possibly uh, get set up because that leads us, well, actually, before we can get back to verse 6, which started all the problems, we need to look at a very important concept, okay? Go back to verse 2. We're going to look at a number of scriptures here and try to go as quickly as we can through this to, to get us back to where we need to be. In contrast to man's judgment, right? So we look at man's judgment in verse 1. Uh, Verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5. Everybody got that? And contrast to that in verse 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. Man judges incorrectly. God judges according to truth. Now, there's a number of cross-references we can look at to kind of build this a little bit more. Let's go to a couple of them. John chapter 14. I'm trying to go as fast as I can, because we've got like ten hours of materials to cover. All right, John chapter 14, verse 6, we all know this, but it's just establishing this idea. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Truth in God, truth is truth is connected to the Trinity. Right? All right? Truth is connected. God judges according to truth because he is truth. Get that idea? Now, we, we may say amen. Just, just remember this is a... Uh, <laughs> Paul's kind of setting everyone up. He likes to do that in his writings. And we'll, I'll show you what he's getting ready to do to us in a minute. All right? Romans chapter 3, verse 4. We'll get to Romans 3, 4 in a couple of years. Okay? We go. God forbid, yea, let God be true. Romans chapter three, verse four. God forbid, yea, for, let God be true. But every man, a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in the sayings, that mightest overcome when thou art judged. This, again, this idea of God being true. Go to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. Right? Now, if we go back to verse thirteen or verse twelve, okay, it kind of gives us a little bit of the context. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, God's word, God is truth, God's word is truth, and what does it do? What does truth have a tendency to do? It exposes falsehoods. Next verse. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God can judge according to truth because God knows the truth of every person. He knows the internal, the external. He knows everything. He knows what we don't know. Agreed? Right? Right? He knows what we do not know, right? And we could, go, um, we could continue to look at a lot of scriptures about that, but God judges according to truth, right? Now, this brings us, go back to Romans chapter 2. Right? Now, this is where everything goes huh? This is where everything goes a little haywire here, all right? I don't, I don't want to repeat everything that we spent a couple of weeks covering, but we're going to have to, um, we're going to have to back up here and work through this. Here we go. Everybody ready? Okay. He judges. So man's judgment is what? Flawed. God judges according to truth, and then the third thing God judges according to what? Look at verse six. Who will, speaking of God, notice verse 5, uh, most, of your, uh, most Bibles do not end verse 5 in a period. Now, remember, the punctuation was not in the original, but most Bibles don't end verse 5 with a period, right? The thought continues, right? Uh, the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who, speaking of God, will render to every man according to his deeds. Stop right there. Okay. Okay. God judges according to our deeds. Now this is a controversial concept. We spent seven weeks trying to find the ways different groups try to answer this problem. <clears throat> I'm not going to go back to the seven weeks of teaching that we've done, but we're going to now just go we're going to now allow the text to speak for itself, right? And I know what, I know what you're going to want me to do. You're going to want me to explain this away as fast as I can. You're going to say, hey, go to another verse and say, this verse cancels that verse out. But that's not how you do hermeneutics. What we have to do is we got to work through this. Verse 6 to verse 16 is very difficult to work on. There's no, there's no pretending that it's not. All right. But we're going, to, we're going to take the time to work through it and see that what we can discover. Is that, does that sound good to, to everyone? All right, so let's start with verse 6, all right? God will do what? The King James uses the word render, render, all right? Now, what does the term render mean? To give, all right? Let me give you some basic understanding of the Greek word here. To deliver, to give away for one's own profit. What is one's own to sell? All right, that doesn't really work. See, I did like, hey, I have something, right? And I'm going to sell it to Eli, right? And I'm going to sell it to him because I'm going to get some profit for it. Like, I may may even sell it more than it's actually worth. I'm doing something for my own profit. Okay, that... That doesn't really help us, right? So but remember, many times one Greek word can have what? Different meanings, so we have to know the context. So see if this works. The same Greek word can mean to pay off, discharge what is due. All right. Now that that seems to to make some sense, right? To discharge what is due. If Eli came up here to the church and cut the grass, right? Okay, and I pay him. I discharge. I render to him. I'm rendering what is due. I'm rendering to him what he has earned. All right. Another way it's used. Uh, it can refer to um, a debt, wages, or taxes. All right? We all know about taxes, right? We have to pay or render what is due. Everybody get that? All right. So. And this is what Romans 2, 6 is saying, all right? Now, please, 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 please don't jump to any conclusions. We have to work through this, all right? That's that's the way of doing verse by verse, okay? Verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Verse 6 is saying, as clear as day, now we're going to have to figure out why it's saying it this way, that people's deeds receive a payment, right? That people's deeds receive a payment. People do things, it receives a payment. And God is going to render to every man according to his deeds. The deeds receive a payment. All right. Now, what does that sound like? Let's just be honest. What does this sound like? Salvation according to? let's we let's just call it what it is now we don't like it but let's just make sure we realize if it was so simple right if it was just so simple and this verse seems to say judgment according to works but we know it can't mean that if it was that simple would you have all of the problems that have occurred in 2000 years and trying to answer this we should all say no Catholicism attempts to answer this. Greek Orthodox attempts to answer this. Lutherans attempt to answer this. Presbyterians attempt to answer this. Baptists attempt to answer this. Church of Christ attempt to... Everyone has their what? Their own answer. We've got to figure out what the text says, all right? Now, let's... let's, That verse 6 introduces how God judges, right? He judges according to deeds. So how does God judge so far? Number one, according to truth. And number two, according to our deeds. Everybody got that? Now, how does this according to our deeds work out? Paul is going, he doesn't stop there, does he? In fact, most, King, most Bibles, verse 6, does it end in a period? No. You know what he's getting ready to do? He states the fact. Now he's going to explain to us how it works. Everybody ready? So, how does it work? Well, You have to break these verses up. Look at verse 7. To them, now who's to them? To those who God is going to render according to their deeds, right? To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. All right, here's a group of people and what things are they doing? Let's go through them. Number one, what are they doing? Patient continuance, right Inpatient patient continuance in other words, what? They patiently continue doing these things, right? They, it's a continuing thing. And patient continuance, they do what? What's the first thing? And well, uh, they continuance in well-doing that's the first thing. and well-doing, or what's, an, uh, what's another way of saying it? Doing good. Doing good. Second thing? Seek for the glory and honor and immortality. What does that mean? Seeking for the things above, seeking to please God. They're seeking for God's approval. They're not seeking for man's approval. right? For those who do that, what is rendered to them? Eternal life. In other words, those who do these things, what is the payment due to them? What does that sound like? Yeah, what else does it sound like? Salvation by works. Okay, all right. Just just make sure we just ignore. We have to acknowledge it. Like, let's not be afraid of it. Okay, verse ten. Right, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good. All right. Again, what's the idea? Verse ten carries the same idea: eternal life to those who do what? Work good. Blessing comes to those who were good. Eternal life comes to those who were good. And he applies it to whom at the end of verse 10? Jew first and also to the Gentile. That is a key and interpretive passage. In other words, somewhere in this section, he's been dealing with Jews and Gentiles. Most believe the Gentiles are dealt with in 18 and following, and the Jews are the self-righteous people who think, hey, we're good to go, Right? But he's trying to say, "Hey, this applies to whom? Jew, Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile." And we're going to see that played out a little bit more. So God judges according to our deeds, and how does it play out? It's very simple. Doer uh, uh, deeds that uh, get eternal life are those are, are the things that in, uh, uh, the things that earn eternal life are good deeds. That's a way to put it. Right? How does it work out? Those eternal uh, good deeds. Uh, earn eternal life, right? Now we got to figure out why it sounds this way, but we'll we'll work on it. And now, what's the second, uh, this next way it works out? We'll look in verse eight. But unto them that are self-seeking, okay, what's another uh, the King James translation? Contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath. All right? What happens? Verse 9, it continues, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Simply put, those who do bad, what are they, what's going to be rendered unto them? Punishment. All right? So, let's go through this. What, how does God judge? He judges according to truth. How else does he judge? According to deeds. How do the, the deeds work out? He renders uh, good deeds are what's pay, uh, paid out for good deeds. What's paid out for bad deeds? Punishment. That's how Paul lays it out. Now, why does he lay it out this way in Romans 2? We're going to have to figure out. Because it's, it does, would we all agree that seems to be contradictory to what's coming in Romans Everyone has to admit that it it appears so. But Paul is laying this out. We have to figure out why, right? So far, so good? All right. Now, um, the next thing, so how does it, make sure we get this. He judges according to deeds. How does it work out? Good deeds earn eternal life. Bad deeds earn punishment. Next thing, how this works out is the principle is applied to Jew and Gentile. The principle applies to Jew and Gentile. And we read that in three verses, do we not? Look at the, uh, verse 9. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Verse 10. Glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the... Verse 11. There is no respect of persons with God. When he says no respect of persons, who is he referring to? Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles are in the same predicament, right? Do good, eternal life. Do bad, punishment. Now, why is Paul stressing this? I don't know. So guess what he does. Now we have verse 12 to 16. A new section begins, and this section is convoluted and complicated. Right? And you'll see why. Right? How many different translations do we have present in the room? I know we have an ESV back there, and we have the Never Intended version with Stephen. All right, so we have the NI, we have the NIV and the ESV. Okay, all right. So we'll see what they do, what these translators do here. But th- this one, there's lots of debate here, and you're going to see why. Before we introduce this section, let me give you the textual issue here. All right, here we go. So so far, what do we have? God judges according to truth, and He judges according to deeds, and we see how it plays out. Now in verse twelve. Paul is going to now, he's going to now draw, he's going to draw a distinction between Jew and Gentile again, all right? And we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But there's a, 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 a lot of debate on how we should read this, and let me explain. Let's read verse 12, all right? Everybody with me? I know this is tedious, complicated, but we got to work through this text. We can't ignore it, okay? And so this is why we do verse by verse. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now, let me just give you a simple understanding before we sh- I show you the problem. Without the law is Gentile; with the law is Jew. All right? You'll see why in a minute. Now, how many Bibles? When you get to thirteen, something interesting happens. What shows up in thirteen? If you look carefully at your text, a parenthesis. A parenthesis. Does the NIV have a parenthesis? No, because not everyone agrees it belongs there. Does the ESV have a parenthesis? No. All right. So we got some that believe a parenthesis belong here, some that don't believe a parenthesis is here. When you see a parenthesis in writing, what does the parentheses indicate? We'll have Sarah tell us. Parenthetical? Okay. All right. I'll read a, I'll read a, uh, and that there's, that's a very important way of explaining it. I'll give a more technical way. way. This is, and I had to look this up to just make sure I was 100% right. Parentheses are used to enclose incidental or extra information, such as passing, a passing comment, a minor example, or additional or a brief explanation, the writer may choose to put additional information within parentheses or to set off the text using dashes or commas. All right. Parentheses are used here. Now, let me just make this absolute clear. Were there parentheses in the original? Obviously not. Okay, okay. There was no punctuation. Remember, if you've, if you've ever seen a Greek manuscript, it's just one long... It, it, the Greek manuscripts look like how I write. I start... And I'll, at the end, if I remember, I'll throw in a period. Okay, I don't have time for commas or anything else, right? My, my, I write, and you have to figure out what I'm trying to say, okay? You can put the comma where you want it. I got better things to do than to place punctuation, okay? Punctuation is created by Nazis to drive people insane, okay? I, so, so I just write, and I thought, I, but for some reason my professors didn't always agree with that idea. I'm like, because you're a Nazi, that's why. All right, so, but here they put parentheses, so, this is how it reads. Verse 12, For as many as sin sinned without law shall, all shall perish, perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Right? 13, 14, 15 are in parentheses. 16, he concludes the thought that started in verse 12. So, 13, 14, 15 is seen to be then what? Additional information or, what else could we say? An explanation. Now, not all Bibles agree with this, but I just want you to be aware of this. Commentators disagree a lot on how we should handle this. Our job is we'll try to figure out what Paul is doing and see if we can make some headway with it, all right? So everybody ready to work this through? All right, let's take verse 12. So far, God judges what? Two ways that we have this morning? According to... Truth and deeds. So far, so good. Now, what does he do in verse 12? Now, he's given us the principle. Think of it this way. He's giving us two principles. Now, all right, I'll do it this way. This, this will help everyone. Remember, I've taught you over and over, and I've, just this morning in Sunday school, I, I taught you this concept. There is learning theology, there is using theology, and there is doing theology. Okay, As a church, I've tried to get everyone in the learning phase, I've tried to get everyone in the using phase, and then there is the doing phase, which I'm trying to get people to now, which is a very difficult phase to get to. All right, learning theology is learning a concept. What's the concept that he's taught us? God judges according to truth and to works. That's, that's the truth he's taught. Now, we, we, don't, we don't know how, what to do with this, and we've got to figure it out, but that's what he's taught so far. There's no debate that's what he's taught so far. You may not like it, and we, we may try to come back and understand it, but that we've got to establish what he teaches. Now, doing theolo- or, or using theology means, how does that principle work? And he's done a little bit of using it, has he not? How does it work? Hey, Janice, if you do good, what, what's going to be rendered according to Janus for doing Good. Eternal life. Stephen, on the other hand, he hasn't done good, so what's going to be rendered unto him? Now, he's taking the principle and he's now using it. Now, what we have to see is in 12 and following, he's going to kind of now try to extend the use of the concept. Right? He's going to try to use this theology and he's going to use this theology by looking at two groups of people. And what two groups of people? You can state it this way. Those with law, those without law, or Jew, Gentile. Now, what does he say in verse 12? For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. Now, what does it mean they're without law? Well, how does the NIV read? <laughs> the, of course it reads different. Okay. Uh, verse, uh, verse 12, uh, all who sin apart from the law, i Okay, all right. All right. Okay, I, I'm like, it couldn't be that different. I mean, I know the NIV translators do crazy <laughs> things, but okay. All right, okay, good. All right, I was, wondering, I was like, wait, are we going to have that big of a problem here? Okay, good. All right, so let, let me try to m- help you out. Remember, what's the difference here? Jew and Gentile. Please understand that, that almost everyone understands that that's what's happening here. So, those without the law have to be whom? Gentile. Now, what does it mean that Gentiles are without law? The Mosaic law. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The Gentile, does the Gentile know what Moses said? Now, I know for us, we're Gentiles, everyone knows what Moses said, the Ten Commandments. The Gentiles at this time, they don't have a clue. They don't even know who Moses is, Right? You know, they're not, they weren't raised in Sunday school learning the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments weren't posted anywhere, right? Like, they don't have a clue. So there's Gentiles, and they're out living their life. Do they know thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that? Do they know all those laws of, of, of uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch? They don't know those Mosaic laws. They don't have any clue about any of those laws. They don't have it. So what does Paul say? Those without the law... Shall what? Perish without law. Whoa, wait a minute. That seems kind of messed up, huh? Doesn't it? Let's just kind of be honest, right? They don't have the law, but yet they're going to perish without it. Huh. How does that work? Is that fair? Now, come on, we're in church, so give me the church answer. Of course, right? Okay, so, okay, that's the church answer, right? But wait, that's the, the Bible student should stop and go, well, that seems weird. They're without the law. Why are they perishing without the law? That, Paul anticipates this question. I think that's why the parentheses comes in. He, he anticipates that question. The, remember, the Bible is put together in, in a logical flow of thought. Preachers sometimes don't preach the logical flow of thought. They take a text and build a sermon. I don't take a text and build a sermon. I let the text teach the sermon. Right? So here we have a question. right? Hey, Gentiles, I think all of you are Gentiles, right? Hey, Gentiles, I know you're without the law, but guess what? You're going to perish without it. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Wouldn't I get a pass? Wouldn't I get a pass? I don't know the law. I'm good to go. Right? Everybody see that? Okay. All right. But he goes on to say, what else does he say in verse 12? And as many have sinned in the law, shall be judged by the law. Now, this raises a lot of dispute. Right? Those in the law are going to be judged by what? By that law. Now, some will make an argument that this demonstrates possible different ways of judgment. Okay, we could get into that. But it's setting up a basic... Let's not get lost... Um, you know, let's not miss the force for the trees, right? So let's take a step back. Simply put, what's the general principle he's trying to... Remember, he's giving us the, the principle, God judges according to works. Now he's trying to apply that into a real life situation. Gentiles, I know you don't have the law, but you're, gonna be, you're still going to perish without it. Hey, Jews, you may have the law, you're going to be judged by it. Now, how does that play out? Don't, don't get caught up there. Just understand the principle. And then what does he do in verse 13? Now listen, verse 13, some argue the parentheses should start in 14. Others believe the parentheses should start in verse 13. And others believe there should be no parentheses. Okay. Well, so well, what does he do in 13? Let's see if we can figure it out. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Whoa, okay. Now, 13. Who is 13 referencing? The Jews. Okay, right. Now, why do you think he's doing this? Right? Why do you think he's doing this? Because what did the Jews always think? We're good! We're good! Right? So you can hear this. Oh, yeah, those Gentiles. Um, thank you, Paul. I want those Gentiles to burn. Thank you for telling me they're going to be judged without the law. <laughs> Remember, he, he using, he's using a literary device to trap the people, right? Paul, Paul argues like someone who's been on a debate team. Right? I was on the, the debate team. He argues that way. He set everyone up. One, 18 to following, by the time you get to the end of chapter 1, you've got, I mean, even Christians do it. That's right. Those homosexuals should burn. Everyone should burn. And then he gets to chapter 2. He goes, hey, slow down. Oh, man, uh, you're inexcusable too. Well, Wait, wait, me? But I'm good. He's like, no, your ability to judge yourself is all messed up. So let me give you a warning. God's going to judge you according to truth. And you're like, amen, he's going to judge me... A- No, that's not a good idea. Because he knows the truth. He's going to judge according to deeds. Yay! He's going to... Wait, that's not a good idea either. Okay, that's not good. Okay, how does this work out? Then he explains how it works. Now he sets everyone up. Hey, those Gentiles who don't have the law, they're going to burn. And guess what the immediate response of the Jew would be? (laughs) Yeah! And he's like, slow down. Slow down. You're going to be judged according to the law. And they are like, we're good. We're good. Remember that we see that in the New Testament. Remember the, uh, the, when uh, Jesus, the, the man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's like, keep the law. He's like, I've done that since I was a kid. Right? They, there's always, because, and why would people do this? Chapter 2, we've already established it. We cannot judge ourselves correctly. So then what does he say? Okay, you want to be judged by the law? You think you're so good. What does he do in verse 13? It's not the hearers of the law. Hey, let me me put it in a a phrase that you can understand. Hey, it's not that you have won an Awana badge and you have 13 verses memorized. Big deal. Hey, it's not that you can answer all my questions during a sermon. It's not the hearers of the law. It's what? But the doers of the law shall be justified. Now, that's a, whoa, now, We've got to remember, let's not build a theology off this yet. Let's just try to figure out what Paul is saying. To the Jew, what's the argument here? Okay, hey, you got the law? <coughs> then get, do this for me. Don't tell me you can recite the law. Right? Remember, they would have it wrapped around their hands or the little box. And they, they had the law. We have the law. We have the law. <laughs> That's not going to justify you. You have to do the law. Now, this follows the theme he's been saying. You're judged according to your works. I know this is a radical thought, but we'll have to figure this out. So, you ever ever see what he's doing in 13? What does he do in 14? Who does he turn back to? Now, he turns back to the Gentiles. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. What in the world is he talking about in 14? Now we're going to have to stop with 14. Remember, God's law. Think of God's law. God's law is revealed, obviously, in Scripture, right? Okay. What, what sometimes, theologically, this is referred to? The moral law, right? That is written on man's heart. Right? Where, um, no matter where you go, Right? right? You, can have, you can be an atheist. Right? You can be an atheist. Atheists do it all the time. I'm an atheist. I don't need God. And immediately though, what will they want to establish? Morality. This is right and this is wrong. In fact, atheists love to say this to us. How can a good God do such evil things? Well, how are you determining good and evil? Right? Why? Because we speak good and evil terms because there's something inside of us, a moral law. The Gentiles, without the written law, do those things which are in the law and they become a law to themselves because they either go for or against the moral law written on their heart. So there is a law that they still fall in conflict with. Does that make sense? And is that not what he says? All right? Now, I'm going to I'm not going to lie cuz I said I, we should stop. I want to lie. I want to lie desperately cuz I don't want to stop because we're we're so close to figuring this out, but we're not, no, we're not far from figuring it out. But we'll stop right there. So, let's try to get, get some practical points here, all right? Here's the practical points, right? You ready? Number 1. We'll make we'll try to drive this point home. Always remember, your judgment is flawed. Your judgment is flawed. That, that's just a principle we have to live by. right? I mean, we, you, every day you run into people, right? And you have, per, you have a perception of them, right? You see them and you, you may think this about them. You may, just be careful. Just remember, your judgment is all messed up. What problems do you have? You have a heart problem, an eye problem, and a head problem. Your ability to judge it is all messed up. Don't end up being set up like Paul sets up all the readers where you're like, ah, those people condemn those people. You're inexcusable too because you're a sinner by nature. You're a sinner by what you do and by the things you don't do. You may not sin in the same way. right? You know those people who have those big external sins that you're like is horrible. You've got your internal sins and God sees that. So let's... Let's be careful and realize our judgment is flawed. Number two, all right. Let's agree that in Romans two, Paul is establishing that God judges according to works. That is being established. We cannot deny that. Now, why do I want to? I want, why do I want you to feel the weight of this? And I want to just want to explain it away. Because we're going to get later on in Romans 3 and 4, we're going to hear things that seem to contradict this concept, right? I want, uh, the only way to study the Bible verse by verse is I want you to feel, man, he, is he not going out of his way to establish this judgment by works thing? He states it in 6 and in, we're all the way down to 12 and 13 and he's still kind of building on it, is he not? I want you to feel that weight, then as soon as we turn to a chapter that seems to contradict this, then what are we going to have to do? Acknowledge the conflict, and then we have to look for how it's been tried to be been resolved throughout church history. And most pastors are just going to say, hey, this is the way to work, fix it, just move on. And you know I don't do that, right? I'm going to say, this is how this group tried, this is how this group tried, this is how this group tried. And then we're, we're going to have to try to figure out is what does the text allow? Because some, what some groups did, the scriptures won't support it. And so we'll throw out what they did. And then the ones that the scripture seems to support will say, here's the best idea. But we have to feel the weight of the problem. Or there's no, it, like, if I'm just going to fly through this, right? Like, hey, we covered Romans in six weeks. Woohoo! You didn't learn the book of Romans. It's going to take like 9,000 years, okay? So how long were we in the Gospel of John? I don't know. Seth was like one when we started, and you know he ended when he was 70, okay? I'm doing pretty good for my age, okay? So, I mean, that was a long time. I mean, all the kids used to joke, the only book I'm going to know in this church is the Gospel of John. Well, you're going to know it, right? So we're, this is going to be... a, a, a very tedious work, but it's going to make you handle the book of Romans better than, than if I just do it in a very easy way where you're like, oh, there's no problem. He says judgment according to works in two, but here's the answer. Okay, yeah. No, no, we're not going to do that. You're gonna, you're, I know what you're going to be saying, but give me the, Seth always says, just give me an answer. No. Okay, okay? I'm not giving you an answer. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you struggle with the text. I mean, you own a Bible, right? You should have already been struggling with these problems. And if you didn't struggle with the problems, you came to the wrong church. Because okay? I'm going to make you struggle with the problems. Okay? But there's no denial. Is that not, would you agree that it's clear in the text? How does he judge? To deeds. We've got to figure out how we reconcile this. Right? We've already looked at one way of trying to... We spent seven weeks on looking at one way of trying to reconcile it. And that way didn't really work out so well, did it? And that's a very popular one in the evangelical world, and I think we destroyed that pretty good. All right, we'll stop there. I know, I don't want to stop, but we have to. We have to. All right. And then tonight, we'll we got all kinds of things to work on tonight. So we'll see. We we got so many different paths of study right now. I don't even know where to begin. So we'll we we'll, tonight's going to be like five different things in one. Okay, we'll see. All right. Let's pray. Lord, God, we come before you this morning. Lord, understanding how you judge is probably one of the most important things everyone in this room should be concerned about because we all have an appointment to stand before you in some way. Lord, I pray that we would seek out the truth of this, not be afraid of where the truth takes us. But Lord, I also hope that everyone leaves here today, when they walk out of this room, they're going to meet people, they're going to see people either in traffic, they're going to see them at a restaurant, they're going to see them in a store, Please let us not judge people incorrectly. Let us remember our judgment is flawed and forgive us when we have misjudged other people. We have all done it. I ask you to forgive us and I ask that this truth of our flawed judgment would be a reminder as we go into a new week and we run into all kinds of different people. I pray that we would be gracious and merciful and try to show Um, a right understanding and not a wrong understanding. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...